The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts with Exodus chapter 1 verse 6 all the way through uh, verse 14 there, I want to talk to you about God's plan for pressure in your life. God's plan for pressure in your life. You old folks are fun to preach to because you're sitting back there going, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Now, some of you younger people in your 20s, early teens, uh, maybe early 30s, maybe even into the 40s, have had very little go wrong yet. And that's possible to be all the way up to 40 years old and really not had a whole lot go wrong, meaning you haven't lost your mom, you haven't lost your dad, you haven't lost either side, haven't even lost maybe your grandparents yet. Uh, you possibly could be 40 years old and not had any visit to the hospital my mother had her first stroke and went to the hospital, and the doctor came in and says, Lorraine, when's the last time you've been to the hospital? She looked over at me, and she says, Billy, how old are you? And he looked at me and says, you've got to be kidding me. I said, no, she's never been. Last time she was in the hospital, she birthed me. And uh, that was her. That's, I talked to old brother Morris. We went fishing together a while back, and I, he said, I've never, I've never spent a night in a hospital. And uh, he's 77 years old, and I don't think he's ever spent a night in a hospital because he was sick. Now, just after he said that, his wife got that uh, lockjaw and was a month in the hospital. And he was there almost every night, all night, and spent many nights in the hospital after that. But he did. it wasn't because of him being sick. Now, there aren't too many 77-year-olds who haven't been to the hospital. In fact, were you born at home, brother? Wow. But some, once in a while, so Brother Bob, he doesn't know what I'm talking about either this morning. But, but he does, he does, because God has brought pressure in, every, in your life. And as a born-again Christian, there's a, there's a gospel of health and wealth being preached out there that says that God wants you healthy, and he wants you wealthy. And I haven't had either one of those yet. But I do, I, and I will say, God wants you to have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. 
And though you may not be wealthy, and though you may not be healthy, God wants you to have the joy of the Lord. Because you can have the joy of the Lord without either one of those. And God, in, in fact, biblically, God will, I can guarantee you, God is going to bring pressure in your life. Let's look here in the Bible how he brought pressure on the children of Israel. Now, the children of Israel started with Abraham under about 2166 B.C., where God called Abraham out of Syria. He was a Syrian. And he said, I'm going to make you the head of my people. The people called after my name. They're going to go into the world, and they're going to tell everybody that Jehovah lives, that there's only one God. The world's given over to idolatry. The world's given over to multi pantheism, polytheism, and all these other false teachings, and you as a nation of people are going to represent me, and you're going to show them what the true and living God is all about. That was the mission of Israel, the children of Israel. That was their mission. By the way, that's our mission. We start in verse 6, and Joseph, uh, the children of Israel, give you a little background, children of Israel, under Jacob, the, the father of the 12 tribes, goes into Egypt. God tells him to go into Egypt. I'll read that verse a little later. He goes into Egypt. Here's what he says. And, Joseph, and he has a son, of course, Joseph being the, um, I believe, the 11th of the 12 sons. Joseph is taken as a slave into Egypt. He's into Egypt uh, somewhere around 17 years. Uh, excuse me, 13 years. He goes in as a 17-year-old. And uh, about 30 years old, uh, he's recognized uh, by Pharaoh and raised up to be the leader of the whole nation and saves, really, the children of Israel down the road. But here in verse 6 of Exodus, it says, Joseph died, and all his brethren and all that generation, and the children of Israel were faithful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Let us multiply. And it come to pass that when they, there falleth out any war, they join also our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. We'll lose our slaves. Our whole economy will collapse. Verse 11. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with burdens. Now you notice the Egyptians up to this point, it's all their idea. Okay, it's the Egyptians' idea. Secularly, it looks like this is totally the Egyptians' idea. He said, and they'll build feral, they'll build feral treasure cities of Python and Ramesses. But look at verse 12, and this is a key verse. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel, notice, notice it's the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. That is a tough word. It is a hard word. Now, it may not even sink into us, but in suffering and in pain, they, they worked day and night without relief. They served with rigor. And they made their lives, because of that, bitter, in the next verse, 14, with hard bondage. Now, you want to circle those words, note those words, in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. 
and their service wherein they made them serve with was with rigor. Every one of them. Why is it that the tallest trees grow in a forest, typically? The tallest trees, I am told, grow in forests where there are other trees that they are competing with. Because of the limited light, they seem to reach up for the light because the trees around them are wanting to outgrow them and outshade them to where they can't do photosynthesis and eventually would die. So each tree grow, can't grow to the right, can't grow to the left, can't grow to the front, can't grow to the back. It grows up and continues to reach up for the light and up for the light and grows taller and taller. And some of the straightest trees used for telephone poles specifically are taken out of forests where there are many other trees pressuring them and competing with them for the light. I hunted quite a bit in South Carolina. And what I couldn't believe about South Carolina was their pine trees. I mean, you could go up South Carolina in a tree stand, you could go up 30, 40 feet. Those pine trees were as straight as an arrow in those forests. And I could see where our telephone poles came. Have you ever wondered where a telephone pole comes from? How do you get a tree that's straight? I know the trees I planted out in my house aren't that straight. None, in fact, none of them want to be straight. They all want to be crooked. Even our pine trees aren't straight. It's interesting that they grow in South Carolina that straight. What is the secret? The pressure for light produces these beautifully straight and tall trees, taller and straighter than any trees around because of the deprivation, if I may call it that, of the surrounding trees. Consequentially, the truth is, no deprivation, no struggle, no pressure, no greatness. No deprivation, no struggle, no pressure, no greatness. God brings pressure, deprivation, struggle in your life to grow you, to help you. Yes, the Egyptians, so they thought they had the idea that they were going to put the children of Israel under a rigorous life. Yes, it was the Egyptians who, said, who felt that they conceived the idea, but as a born-again Christian, as a, ser, uh, as a servant of Jehovah God, we know that our God is in control, don't we? Do you believe this morning that God is in control of this old world? Do you believe that he notices the insignificant sparrow that's going to fall dead out there today? Do you believe that he knows the number of the hairs on your ever-changing head of hair? Anybody that's ever vacuumed a home where there is uh, multiple women knows their hair number is changing on a regular basis. The Bible has a principle around this area of pressure that I hope that we can walk out of here with some of you reviewed, maybe with some of you new, but it will help you and keep you, by the grace of God, from getting bitter. 
There's a group of people, God bless them, the Pentecostal folks out there that oftentimes believe that the blessings of God are more instantaneous than a process. It's not long even in their lives that they find out that it is not being zapped of the Holy Spirit that God's into. He's into long, slow, but real growth in your life, just like those trees in the forest. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The verse teaches clearly that a Christian's life is similar and in parallel with a physical life that we need to grow. We grow physically slowly. We grow spiritually, in many cases, slowly. Now, I've been to Bible college where they excessively feed people the Word of God. They excessively feed them the counsel of the Bible. And if I may say, under force feeding and pressure in a Bible college situation, I have seen some of the most distorted and failures you'd ever lay eyes on. In fact, I was warned when I went to Bible college that that was a great place to backslide. Now, you wouldn't think that anybody, you're put in a place where you're hearing the Bible preach every day. You're assigned massive amount of reading. You're in the Word of God. You're memorizing the Word of God. You're going to theology class. You're hearing preaching. You would think you'd be in an environment that would be, Ooh, but let me tell you what happens. What happens? Have you ever had a tree? I've done this myself on my property. I've planted a lot of oak trees, and I've planted various kinds of trees. I've done an experiment to prove what I saw in Bible college happen. I've taken a tree that was typically slow-growing, and I've said, I can overcome this slow-growing thing. So I go out and I buy me some brand-name Osmocote, and I get 15, 15, 15 with the 99 trace elements, and I put that $75 a bag, and they say put on a couple pounds. I say if two pounds is good, four pounds has to be better. <laughs> then I go buy some Scots, 27% nitrogen, which is like fire. And I put it around that, and if it says one pound of 27% nitrogen, I say two pounds has got to be better. And I put two pounds and I sprinkle it. And now I know better than not to water it because if you don't water it, you just kill that tree. So I, I overwater it and overwater it and keep, those, keep that nitrogen, keep that potash, keep that potassium, keep those minor elements going down through to the roots. And what I notice is the tree kind of goes, Woo, mama! If a tree could talk. And they start putting limbs up. But what I notice is the limbs get longer than they're supposed to get. It gets taller than it's supposed to get. And all of a sudden, <laughs> falls over because the main trunk's only that big, but it's six feet high. That's what happens in Bible school, if you're not careful. Because you need to learn the truth of God with the pressure. We need trouble mixed with God's Word. And it, it's, like, it's like putting the difference between that tree I just described to you and another tree, take the same tree, whether it be a, 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 a 
myrtle or, or an oak tree or a, a water oak or whatever you want to take, that one I put all that fertilizer around, that didn't make it, dropped over. Couldn't stand the least little wind, Psh, fell over because it was too top heavy. Then I take another tree and I go get chicken manure and horse manure and cow manure and I mix it in with the dirt and it, that's at the, at the best, that's just mild. And it rains on it. And I don't overwater it. And, I, and it gets the pressure of the normal. And it grows, but it grows slowly. But man, it grows solid. It grows where it can take when Wilma went by in a 130 mile hour wind in my house. Those trees that I had planted, which were that big around when I planted them, they all fell over. But that tree that started from a little seed, I'm talking a seed that my squirrel buried, and it was about, it didn't fall over. Its root system, which grew slower, which grew more, had more pressure on it over a longer period of time, it held against that 130 mile hour wind, and it stood the, the forces. And that can happen to you. We as Christians must eat, absolutely. We grow in grace. We must eat. First Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Uh, we're to grow and continue to grow. But interestingly, when Paul writes to the Thessalonian Christians, which were under serious pressure, serious persecution, in chapter 1, verse 3, says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the care and the charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth. In verse 4, he says, For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we that we should suffer tribulation, pressure, even as it came to pass, as you know. And then uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, which is a token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you suffer. And there are verses scattered all through the New Testament, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, where it's been given unto us like a gift to suffer for his name. Pressure. Everywhere you see suffer, put the word pressures of life. God uses uh, pressure to help grow you to where you're solid and strong, and the pain and all of that goes with those pressures is not to harm you, it is not to kill you, it is to cause you to flee to Him and to apply the Word of God which you've, you've been given, which you've eaten, which you've desired to send sincere milk of the Word, and you apply that to the pressure, and God comes in with the Holy Spirit of God, and He strengthens you. You grow in faith. It no longer is theoretical faith. It is practice faith. It is life faith. What's the difference between a young Christian and old Christian? One has a theoretical faith. One has a, and the old boy has a practiced faith. A tried faith. I like to hang around old Christians. Because when you look at them, you know that they, they don't just know the word of God. They know the author of the word. They've walked through some of these pressures. Why? And by the way, all I'm saying here is collaborated by the book of Genesis and by the Pentateuch when we find God's people, why they were put in Egypt for the first place. 
Take your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 45 and verses 4 through 8. Genesis chapter 45, 4 through 8. Tells you why the children of Israel were allowed to go. Why would, folks, what parent in this room would allow his children to go into slavery for someone else? I'm talking about slavery. What parent in this room would, would stand back while his children were driven with 16-hour days of hard, rigorous labor? God did. And it tells you why. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. This is the, the, the guys who betrayed him. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Uh-oh. Now, therefore, be not grieved. What? What? Nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. And look at that next phrase in 45.5 of Genesis. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You're talking to a man who was in prison some most of the 13 years he was in Egypt. He was under pressure. He was under suffering. He was under hardship. He was under rigor. What good parent would allow his child like Joseph uh, 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 that hadn't really done anything from what we knew that would deserve that? It wasn't for sin he was sent to Egypt. It was for growth. It was for growth. And then he says three times, by the way, I'm going to point all three of them out to you. That's one right there in verse 5. Verse 6 says, For these two years hath the famine been in the land, yet there are five years in which there shall hither be uh, neither earring or harvest. Then in verse 7 he says, And God sent, there it is the second time, in verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And then in verse 8, he says, so now it was not you that sent me hither. It was them. It was them. But Joseph, with spiritual understanding the way the, the way the world works and that there is a God and that all the, all the uh, activities of men are under his auspices, with that understanding, he says, but God, that's what he said, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and the ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. You will not make it as a Christian if you don't understand what Joseph understood, you will not be able to survive and end well. You will get bitter and die. And the devil all the time will be on your shoulder saying, a good God would never cause this to happen. A good God would never allow this to go on. A good God would have rescued you long ago. Thirteen years 
is a long time to be in pain. I had gout for 22 years. I had migraines for 22 years. And I can tell you that was a long haul for old Billy. I've been delivered pretty much from both of them. Why? I hope I passed. I hope I got it. Like Joseph in prison. Eventually he was delivered from prison. And he was cleaned up, shaved, brought before Pharaoh, given understanding. Pharaoh said, we don't know a wiser guy than this guy. We'll make him second ruler of all of Egypt. From that point on, he didn't suffer hunger. Mm-mm. He didn't suffer disrespect. Mm-mm. He didn't suffer deprivation. No. Because he had been proven in the fire. And I like to say you're exempt from that, but you're not. Why? Because you're God's child, that's why. And he loves his children. Look in verse 3 of chapter 46. And he said, I am God. I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt. Speaking to Jacob here. For I will make, I will there make of thee a great nation. What was God's idea for sending his children down to be the slaves of these heathen? They didn't even, they were, listen, say, Egypt, Egypt was full of idolatry from one end to the other. They had idols in every, for everything and every name. They did not worship the only, only, only true God, the creator of heaven and earth. They did not know him. They worshiped the sun. They worshiped the moon. They worshiped the four-footed beasts and the creatures and the snakes and the cats and the dogs and everything else. What would God have in mind sending his children under them? Fry there will make of thee a great nation. That's what it was. Growth. Growth. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. In chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me when Joseph speaks to his brothers, but God meant it unto, but God meant it unto good. Man, oh man, oh man. You need to get this real clear this morning when the doctor tells you you've got cancer. You need to get this real clear this morning when you go to the doctor and he says you've got Parkinson's disease. You need to get this real clear when you go to the doctor. Man, every time I go to the doctor, they just tell you bad news. And he tells you that you have a brain tumor. You need to get this real clear when you get a phone call that says your child's been scalded. You need to get this real clear when you get a phone call that says your wife was in an automobile accident and has been crippled. Name something in life that can go wrong and the child of God will have it happen to him. We are not exempt in, in any measure from bad things. The difference between them and us is the bad things we know come from God to grow us. That really, if God be for you, who can be against you? Joseph, God bless him. Had he at any point in that pressure gotten mad at God, 
said, it's too long. It's too hard. I don't think it's fair. I can't believe you put me through this. And he got poochie lit, sucked his thumb, began to be a victim, handicapped himself. He would have missed out on what God was trying to do through that. The sad part is he'd have went through the suffering and missed out on the blessing. Because when God puts you into something, you're in it. You ain't getting out of it. You can scream and yell and do everything you want, but when he puts you into something, brother, when God put them into Egypt, he put them into Egypt. They weren't coming out of Egypt till he brought them out. And i, I got to add this little caveat. A lot of those old boys died in Egypt. 430 years they spent in Egypt. Uh, I don't know anybody lives that old. A whole bunch of people grew up in Egypt as slaves, worked under the rigor of the slavery, and died in Egypt as slaves. Their kids were slaves. Their grandkids were slaves. Their great-grandkids were slaves. Their great Great, 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 however long 400 years takes it, about 40 years a shot. Ten generations. They died in slavery. But it was in the will of God. Because he was doing something bigger than just you. Man. Man, that's good. We're part of something bigger than me. You're part of something bigger than just you and your kids and your little family. As a Christian, we're part of the kingdom of God. We're part of reaching the world. We're part of something that's going to eternally shine. Read the Bible. Read it. We're luminaries. We've been given eternal life. I don't like pain. Man, I don't like pain. I want to avoid it every time I can. That is why God had to and may in the future have to drive me into it. Are you listening? God doesn't say to Brother Rochelle, would you like to go for a 10-year stint of pain, Johnny? Because Johnny, he knows Johnny, he knows he's going to... John, no Mount Dews for 10 years, buddy. I know, I know it's big. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He don't come to you and say, Brother Not, um, um, I'm going to do something that's going to really grieve your soul and it's going to be hard on you every morning when you get up. Uh, would you like to do that or would you not? He don't give you, he don't come ask me questions. He's my father. He drives you into it. Just like Jesus was driven by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The flesh resists pain. We resist suffering. We resist the pressure. But God drives us into the wilderness. He drives you into the situation. Now the question is, when you get in it, whether you like it or not, you're going in it. When you get in it, how will you react to it? That's what this is about. Understanding that there is a God that loves you more than you know, 
that wants to build something eternal in you and that wants you to be part of a bigger cause than just yourself. Gospel Baptist Church here and all that's been that's gone into this place is not about individual. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about a bigger picture. Oh, would to God if he tarries. The Gospel Baptist Church here at Bonita Springs, 200-year anniversary. Wow. I would like to live in the, I would like to pamper myself. My flesh wants to pamper itself, amen? I want to live, I want, to, I want my life to live in the lap of luxury and ease. If I had my, if I had to choose, I would probably spoil myself, never to grow, never to have any real value, never to have personal worth, and everybody, nobody would want to be around me like a spoiled child nobody wants to be around. Who wants to take care of a spoiled brat? Who wants to take care of a kid that when they don't get their way, they throw themselves on the floor and scream and yell and trip their feet? My dad had a cure for that. I want you to take home this verse. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12. And we're done. Exodus 1.12, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. When God allows trouble, tribulation, pain, suffering to come into your life, and He will, welcome it as your friend. Welcome it as your friend. I went, 28 years old, I went to the doctor. When I go to the doctor, I always try to double dip. That is, if I'm going to pay 100 bucks or 150 bucks, I want to try to have him cure two things at least. So I went in, I had been diving in the Keys, and I broke my eardrum. I broke my right eardrum here 15 plus times, eventually had it replaced. I went in there and I said, man, I broke my eardrum again, doc, would you look at my ear? to make sure it healed shut. And he said, he looked in there, and he said, yeah, it's healed. I said, by the way, would you mind looking at my throat? It's a double dip. And that way it went from 100 bucks to 50 bucks. But anyway, I said, would you look at my throat? And I had a lump right here in my throat, right where my tie's at. And, he's, and he's, he looked at that, and he, he goes, ooh, he felt that little fill around it. And he goes, uh, I'll be back in a minute. He leaves and came back. He said, I got an appointment in 10 minutes down the road. Now, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody gets an appointment with a doctor that short notice. All I can tell you, when they're paying that much attention to you, it ain't good. And so he says, 10 minutes down the road. I went down the road. A guy fell all over. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Sent me another guy. I went to about six people. And they marched me around like a show because they'd never seen anybody my age with that trouble. They said, unbelievable. See, a 28-year-old male with what you got. Eventually, it was cancer. And had spread around, and they took my thyroid out completely and took a bunch of things out around here and then radiated me. I'm a young, healthy guy up to that point. You know what I did? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just had gotten out of college. I thought he had a bright future for me. 
And here he's getting ready to take me. Or he's getting ready to make me sickly. How could being sickly help me? I'll tell you how it can help you. It humbles you. And anything that humbles you is good. But it don't feel good, does it? And it don't taste good. And it don't smell good. And it don't make your emotions happy. But brother, anything that will bring you to the reality of your temporalness and that God's power, it helps you to relate and to be a better Christian. And since that moment I've had a ministry with other cancer people, it's like a club we're in. It's called the C Club. Folks, don't question God. Don't question why. I like that. Mine is not to reason why. Mine is but to do or die. Now I know humanly we say why. But ultimately we don't get bitter. Because I'm going to tell you this as a Christian. You're going to get better when pressure comes. Or you're going to get bitter when pressure comes. I've known a lot of bitter Christians. I go door to door and there's a whole raft of them I've met through the years that won't go to a local church anymore. They won't read their Bible anymore. They don't want anything to do with God because God disappointed them and God took my mother and God took my kid and God took my wife and God took my economy and God took my health. God, God, God. They didn't understand God. He was trying to help them through the pressure so they could grow to be one of those trees in the forest that have a use and purpose. Not one of them old scraggly, overfed, over-fertilized trees is worthless. Father, help us understand the truth today of how you deal with folks. In Jesus' name, amen.
again.